0: Welcome to Brain Mills Podcast. My name is Dash McIntyre. And my name is Adrian Pope. and We have a good one after a little bit of a break. Uh, but today we're going to talk about Republicans and their insanity. Um, so, obviously, uh, big things. Polls are showing that the Democrats might not be as fucked as people originally think. That uh, red wave may be <laughs> a little more of a, a red bump, but we'll see. So, a couple polls recently showing Democrats actually a couple points above Republicans in a generic uh, ballot. So what do you think? As we get closer to November, do you think that red wave will reappear? Or do you think uh, Democrats, with everything Republicans have been doing, are uh, actually gaining momentum that will stick around for the next couple months? You know, I think this might actually be one of the closest elections we've had in recent years in terms of uh, the congressional elections. Like you mentioned, the polls are showing the Democrats are actually uh, up a little bit on the generic ballot, meaning just like the generic Democrat over a generic Republican without getting into the specifics of a specific candidate matchup. Uh, there have been two polls I saw at with Democrats up by four points and one poll with Democrats up by six points. So that's pretty good news for Democrats because... Uh, You know, we're like borderline at the beginning of a recession, Um, Joe Biden, you know, uh, presidents when they first get elected historically have a shellacking in the next midterms. That's definitely been the trend in recent uh, presidencies lately. Um, But there's a couple things that are kind of really good for Democrats. One is that uh, Republicans and Democrats kind of had different redistricting strategies, whereas Republicans really use their state gerrymanders. Um, and their g- gerrymandering efforts kind of nationally to lock in super Republican districts whereas Democrats had a different strategy where they kind of um, they uh, they designed their maps to basically allow the most possible democratic seats so like with Democrats gerrymanders their seats were less like blue you know Republicans have like plus 30 districts and whatnot in states whereas Democrats <laughs> try to go for more like plus four plus five but have more districts overall that are possible. So because of this, Republicans are actually, you know, not going to be able to dominate the House as much as they were kind of hoping they would. Um, So what do you think about that? I think that's a huge thing for Democrats. And then, of course, in the Senate, Democrats are really helped out right now because Republicans have once again kind of nominated some crazy candidates. So Republicans are probably going to lose some very winnable seats. Well, I think they might lose winnable seats. I think a good thing for Democrats is that when Republicans have plus 30 districts or whatever, or plus 20 or more, uh, you're really just wasting a lot of Republican voters, if you think about it. Like, if you had a, a district that's red next to a district that's blue and the red district is a plus 30, I mean, you could have easily— uh, taken some of those voters, put them in the, the you know blue plus five plus 10 district and, and tried to make it at least more competitive. Uh, so that might have actually been bad. One thing that's good for Democrats, too, is Republicans already almost have a majority. So the kind of shellacking, to quote Obama, <coughs> that they got in previous midterms uh, probably can't happen just numerically, because Republicans already have uh, a ton of House seats that... Uh, you know, Democrats didn't do quite nearly as well as they had hoped or wanted to in the 2020 election. So uh, it's actually pretty tight right now. I mean, it, it, right now, if Republicans get the same kind of like wave they had in 2010, uh, that kind of presupposes that a significant majority of the population actually wants Republicans, which I'm not so sure is the case right now, you know? Yeah. Um, are there any candidates you're really watching? Um Oh, and and real quick, like on the note of the House districts, you know, it's kind of interesting the way Republicans waste their votes by really running up the totals in certain districts. Um, On the other, you know, like on the in a more negative side for that, when the district is plus R like 30, you know. Uh, that basically means the general election is worthless. So now Republicans are really only racing against themselves, hence why you get this kind of like spiraling race to the bottom of the craziest House candidates possible, which then ultimately reflects poorly on the, uh, the party statewide and, of course, nationally. But it also yeah. kind of prevents, uh, you know, uh, sometimes in some of these other districts, uh, republicans because the primaries are the actual competition they pick super insane people and then democrats can actually pick up seats because the republicans kind of nominate someone like well beyond the overton window of, of what is kind of like acceptable general politics i mean like the chief example of that was uh um the alabama primary that uh got roy moore the the republican senate uh, nomination mm-hmm. and uh you know for a while uh in alabama we actually had a democrat um you know take over because roy moore was kind of like a uh, long suspected pedophile <laughs> creep you know just like the worst candidate possible so well, known we're, we're creep, definitely seeing that right? this Not term a suspected creep <laughs> yeah right um, well, that's a so like some candidates say. that I'm really excited about right now, uh, or some races rather, is the Pennsylvania one. You live in Pennsylvania, maybe you want to talk about uh, the matchup between Doctor Oz and John Fetterman. Well, that's just one example of multiple Senate seats that probably should be at least lean red or you know even strong red especially if it's gonna be a red wave like they talk about but yeah fetterman well not been, necessarily biden just won pennsylvania but yeah it should definitely be a toss-up this should definitely be it's pennsylvania overall in the electoral math for presidents is like the most competitive kind of tipping point state well true and yeah that's all true um but yeah he's been running a great campaign um well first off it's kind of weird that I mean, <laughs> Dr. Oz is literally a carpetbagger, right? <laughs> like coming into yeah. another state just to get political power just because he can. Um, <clears throat> the fact that he's like a mansion in New Jersey is a little weird, not to mention mansions in multiple other places. Um, you know, Pennsylvania, you know, people joke that like in between <laughs> Philadelphia and Pittsburgh is Alabama. Um, and <laughs> a lot of working class people, Scranton, Pennsylvania is where Biden's from. And, he, and he's all about like unions, union jobs, um, you know, working uh, for middle class people. And then you have <laughs> Dr. Oz, a TV star, with like a multi-million dollar mansion. Uh, that's that's just bad optics, let alone bad politics. But <clears throat> it is kind of amazing. Fetterman had that uh, uh, stroke or whatever and hasn't really talked in public, to my knowledge, uh, the last couple weeks. <laughs> and he's It looks like he's probably going to take this race all the way to a win. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really having any effect that he just had a stroke. Yeah, I think I just saw a poll recently that had Fetterman up by like eight or nine points, which is pretty dramatic um for a like i said like the most kind of swing state in the country right now um i saw john fetterman uh, was uh um trying to get the governor of new jersey <laughs> to, to give dr oz a uh, you know top resident of new jersey award and fetterman just uh, had a campaign video where he announced he's taking out a billboard on the uh, bridge between new jersey what is it uh, pennsylvania or, or yeah one of the bridges there saying mm-hmm. uh, you know like you're leaving new jersey for pennsylvania just like dr oz so uh fetterman's definitely running a really solid campaign his troll game is kind of a plus work and uh just looking at Fetterman, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because you don't really imagine someone like Fetterman really representing the Democratic Party because it's almost like the uh, the kind of images of both candidates are flipped, you know, Democrats get called the elitists and all that, mm-hmm. whereas like Dr. Oz is this like, you know, kind of like weird looking, I don't know if he's had plastic surgery or not, but like very manicured, very rich guy, <laughs> now, now pretending to be like some kind of salt of the earth, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like a uh, blue-collar guy. So, yeah, it's funny that voters really are kind of finding the whole Dr. Oz campaign is phony. Well, as a Pennsylvanian, too, I'll say I find it annoying, too, anyway, because it's never good to have a someone running for a senator who <clears throat> really has no plan to do anything and is just running because he can like, you know, say what you will about John Fetterman. He's got a lot of policy ideas and stuff he wants to do. He wants to obviously legalize weed. You know, he, he's very outspoken about being the 51st vote to get rid of the filibuster if need be. Obviously very pro-protecting women's rights, which that's like a huge thing in, in across Pennsylvania politics. Uh, the governor's race between uh, Mastriano and uh, Shapiro is going to be a big showdown, probably about abortion too. Uh, with obviously the Democrat Josh Shapiro's, you know, pledging to... Uh, protect abortion rights for women and then, you know, uh, Mastriano just being a nutcase <laughs> for lack of a yeah. better term. But it's also probably the most apt term that you could use. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mastriano was I was going to say Mastriano was like having trouble getting like the uh, dub, like the Republican Governors Association or something like that to like kind of, uh, you know, give him support. Obviously, Republicans are going to, you know, they're going to give pays. him everything he needs when he gets closer to the election yeah. because they want the, the Republican to win. But uh, you know, Mastriano is definitely an example of the Republican prim- primary really picking like the candidate least likely to win a general election. We'll see. I'm sure it'll. I'm sure the race will tighten. But um, I'm, I'm sure Doctor Oz is not helping his chances on the ticket. You know. Well, it's certainly terrible that he's already pledged to basically hold the uh, electoral votes uh, hostage to whatever he wants. So if the right in 2024, if the Pennsylvanians vote for a Democrat, you know he will. Pennsylvania is weird where the governor gets to appoint the the person in charge of elections. And then so that's like the whole Republican game plan in Pennsylvania and other states, too, of just trying to preemptively get prepared to legally, uh, if not just politically, uh, say the election is fraud and then give the electoral votes to whoever they want. It's like the whole... Uh, what it, What's that thing they call it with the legislature? I forget what the term is, but the legislatures, apparently. and and that's like the same case being seen by the Supreme Court soon is that legislatures have complete power over everything involving elections. Re, you know, regardless of the state constitution and whatever powers that Constitution gives the governor or anyone else in the state. So very anti-democratic, very uh, <clears throat> certainly uh, ideological partisan and willing to uh, take over. Uh, the election process and just give it to whoever they want, which is undemocratic, un-American. And and obviously, you know, that's just his goal. He's he's even stated that that's that's what the plan is. And Republicans love that. So very, uh, I hope uh, he loses for sure. Right. Uh, There's another interesting race in Missouri where Eric Greitens, the disgraced former governor of the state, and, uh, you know, Missouri is where I live, so I've been paying attention to this, But uh, thankfully, Eric Greitens is not actually winning the primary. He's actually in third place of the primary here in Missouri. I believe Eric Schmidt, who's like the – he's some high-up office, like Secretary of State or something. He's, uh, I think, winning the primary for uh, the Senate race. Um, The Democratic Party has not voted yet. Our primary is coming up, I believe, next week. But uh, So I guess that's kind of like a breath of fresh air is that Eric Greitens, who – you might remember, got uh, he had to resign because he like sexually assaulted a hairdresser and like tied her up and threatened to, like he took like naked photos of her and threatened to release them. So he's just like a very creepy guy. There were some allegations of charity fraud as well, and I think he was really trying to get Trump's endorsement, which is kind of interesting because the primary is coming up real short. But I don't believe Trump has endorsed a Missouri Senate candidate yet. So kind of. Uh, kind of interesting. I guess maybe it's too close and Trump doesn't want to pick a loser so. <laughs> You know, maybe no endorsement is better than endorsing a, a guy who's going to lose or, or a woman, I guess. Uh, so that, that's just kind of interesting. Any other uh, Senate races that you're kind of paying attention to on your radar? Uh, well, Pennsylvania is a big one for me. i very interested in Arizona and Georgia as well. Warnock um, yep. versus Herschel Walker, which I mean, Herschel Walker is a classic example. It's like the worst case for politics, where you're just taking someone famous who does, you know, who's essentially a nitwit about everything related to public policy and government, and they're just running because they have wide, uh, widespread name recognition. And like, I don't know why you think that just because someone's good at football that they must be a senator. Like, is that that has to be the only (laughs) thing going for Herschel Walker? Is that he played football well? Uh, I don't see any other redeeming qualities of why he would want to be a senator or why he should be a senator. Yeah, and he, uh, he went viral I believe last week or the week before for that comment about how we shouldn't do anything for the climate because we, we're gonna have the cleanest air in the world and then our air is gonna go over to China. <laughs> And swap with china's dirty air and then china's dirty air is gonna waft over the ocean over america so why bother <laughs> clean the air i mean there's a reason uh i don't, I don't believe herschel walker has committed to doing any debates and i don't think any of his advisors are gonna allow him to do any debates or any kind of like public uh you know forum events but uh so that's that's another race that obviously republicans really should win and it shouldn't be that close um uh, Trump had a really bad Georgia obviously Trump is like kind of a special case but um, it's interesting, I, I like to think of uh, Mitch McConnell waking up every morning or perhaps going to sleep at night every evening, just furious with his party for p- once again picking terrible candidates because there were several <laughs> Senate uh, races in years past, like Todd Aiken in Missouri was a huge one. Uh, you know, he lost, there was that Harry Reid picked uh, the really crazy lady who was like involved in witchcraft or something like years ago. So, I mean, it, it's kind of funny. It's What do you think about the strategy of Democrats kind of like running ads to help the crazier candidates win the primaries to be easier to beat in the general election. Do you think it's worthwhile doing it? Do you think it's maybe immoral because we could get caught, you know, with the worst of all world candidates? You know, what do you think about that strategy overall? Well, I'm kind of conflicted because on the one hand, if if Democrats did that and Republicans were like, come on, what are you doing? You're taking a literal communist, you know, or something and putting them up. I I think the Democratic Party is probably better in the sense that if you had a crazy democrat running in a democratic primary who said outlandish things that were like offensive and just outright stupid uh, I don't think you'd get like the hardcore democrat primary voters just immediately lining up behind him to vote for him anyway just <laughs> yeah, out of right. ideological purity reasons so I think that's not a problem they would have secondly I would I would hope that the Uh, DNC would probably not give a ton of money to someone they think is obviously going to lose. So that's kind of stupid on the Republicans' part that they're giving money to these people. And, you know, the RNC knows better, obviously. But I just don't think that's like the asymmetry between the two parties right now is the the stuff that Republican, the people that uh, Republicans are putting up are so extreme, so wild and so ideologically. Uh, sometimes just nitwits, right? They're people who can't even talk about anything, and they're giving them the full support. They're giving them money. You know, they're giving them airtime on Fox News. Like, the Democratic Party, I don't think, would do that. Like, look at the, I don't know. I mean, look at Missouri, right? That Lucas Kunz, have you been following him? Uh, not too closely. I need to do a little more research in the next week because of uh, the election coming up. Oh, well, yeah. So my only point is I think that it's probably fair to say that if there was a pretty wide Democratic primary with a lot of potential contenders, and one who was just a moron who just said everything that the far, far, far left, you know, wanted to say. uh, I don't think they'd get the support of primary voters or the DNC itself. But as far as giving money to these Republicans, I mean, to some extent, like, it is a, you know, political uh, advantage if you can get the other party to put up literally the worst possible person, Right. The problem with that is that Republicans are so crazy that they will still vote for them and give them money and support, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so, like it's like the difference between the parties. If Democrats had a candidate getting up saying, we, I believe in communism, we need to put every Republican in prison, um, you know, like Donald Trump's kids eat babies, <laughs> it's like like no Democrat would vote for that person. But then on the reverse, you get the QAnon candidates saying pretty much the exact opposite ideological stuff, but with the same degree of like depravity and deplorability. Uh, yeah, like you said, Republican uh, primary voters kind of line up.
1: <laughs> because well, and,
0: cause that candidate tells it like it is. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's different too. The ideological purity of both parties is not the same. Right Right now Democrats have a couple Democrats, especially in the House, who are still you know pro-life. And, and, and that's something that a lot of high ranking Democrats were saying, don't criticize them, they're Democrats except for this one issue. Uh, and like, that's no reason to kick someone out of Congress or not vote for them or to primary them or whatever. I mean, that's not to say that people can't have a disagreement and not like that policy stance, but uh, that kind of, even a, a tiny disagreement on the right, if you don't agree with 99.999% of everything, you know, Donald Trump believes in and that the average Uh, Republican primary voter believes in wholeheartedly like you'll never get anywhere. So uh, I think Democrats on the whole allow more ideological um, differences among their people and they don't hold it against them. Uh, And that allows you to kind of coalesce around rational sane people. You know, what I mean, if I mean, I mean, here's a great Democrats don't run around calling each other dinos, you know, uh, Democrat name only. Like, that's yeah, not even know, a term. Right. That has to be a term used by Republicans because they have such an ideological purity they have to adhere 100 percent to. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so just doing kind of like back of the math, like back of the envelope math, um, you know, Democrats are it's 50-50 in the Senate right now. So and especially to get around the filibuster, which would be most ideal, it would be nice to pick up two seats. So it seems like we could maybe at least for now, again back of the envelope math, say Democrats will pick up Pennsylvania, um, and then maybe uh, Ralph uh, Raphael Warnock will win. So that's two seats. Wisconsin's a toss up. But I will say Wisconsin has like probably the most uh, dedicated and motivated Democratic like statewide party in the country right now. Um, I think they're they, they have like really motivated. Uh, um, like Democratic Party uh, apparatus and operations. So that's still kind of like a toss-up. Um, Ron Johnson, obviously, is kind of like a crazy guy, but he's, in, he's an incumbent and he's got the name recognition. Um, what do you think about Arizona? I guess the primary hasn't uh, taken place yet, but we'll see. Uh, it might actually be a real mess because Kerry Lake, uh, one of the top to your uh republican candidates is already alleging uh fraud <laughs> voter fraud in the primary um so she's kind of like a like a moron <laughs> so i i don't know hopefully that would be a safe seat i mean of all the candidates running like for the senate right now i think mark kelly is kind of the, one of the more sane moderate respectable and professional candidates i mean he was like literally an astronaut and uh kind of like just a generally smart like kind of nice guy who's not a crazy nutcase so we'll see i mean what do you think about any other races do you think uh democrats might lose any seats that i'm not thinking of well i don't know that really comes down to i mean we still have a long time to november we'll see um a lot of american voters are so myopic we'll see like what happens if gas price goes up by a dollar a gallon again is that going to be some kind of nail in the coffin for democrats for for no Obvious reason, other than that people are dumb and Republicans say somehow it's Biden's fault. Um, my hope is that this Republican insanity against women and the Supreme Court, getting rid of Roe v. Wade, but then also set to potentially get rid of every other major right for you know people of color, homosexual, LGBTQ people, uh, and, and women no less. Uh, you know more than fifty percent of the population, as you mentioned the other day. <laughs> Uh, The fact that they're basically going to take away rights from people, which is something that hasn't really happened a whole lot in the last 50 years or a generation or two. Um, I think that could be a very motivating factor come November, but we'll see. That being said, I still think a lot of Americans are just myopic. And if inflation continues, who knows what will happen? And Republicans are going to blame everything on Biden and Kamala Harris and Democrats, regardless of how... Irrational, such a conclusion, or even you know, a um, <clears throat> any what's the word I'm looking for, um, any relationship whatsoever to something happening, and you know, whoever is in political power's ability to handle it or address it or preemptively do anything about it. Uh, Republicans are just gonna be one track mind on this is the the crazy far left uh, Democrats' fault, even though all the Democrats in power, from Schumer yeah. to Biden. To Nancy Pelosi are very moderate Democrats who are just doing sensible policies that Democrats have literally been talking about for 30 years. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, There is some bright news in terms of uh, domestic policy, though. Uh, It seems like Democrats have outmaneuvered Republicans because Republicans uh, were throwing a fit about like another stimulus plan. But Joe Manchin just released a plan that hopefully he will stick by because it's basically everything in this bill he has picked. But it's like a it's like a giant infrastructure plan that uh, balances increased taxes, a minimum 15 percent tax on corporations um some stimulus for the irs to be able to go after more tax frauds and tax cheaters uh and then on the other side it's like the biggest investment of any country ever on uh like green technology and uh climate change assistance uh what do you think about that i, I mean i think uh that this is like super super big uh, I, I was really not expecting anything great from Chuck Schumer for the rest of this uh, congressional term until the midterms, because I haven't really been impressed with the, uh, the work Chuck Schumer has done in wrangling the Democratic caucus, even though they have the, uh, you know, a slight majority with that vice president, uh, you know, uh, tie breaking vote. Uh, but what do you think about this bill? What do you think it means for the election coming up? Well, I think the bill is great because it's coupled with that uh, computer chips bill. So obviously, uh, Republicans have now voted for this uh, computer chip bill to stay competitive with China. And it's fantastic because it's like $50 billion to support uh, computer chip manufacturing here in America, which is heavily needed because a lot of our computer chips come from East Asia, specifically China, for low-end computer chips. And then Taiwan makes a lot of the higher-end computer chips. So... China obviously wants to invade Taiwan, which would be terrible for the 21st century economy because China and Taiwan make up a very large percentage of total computer chip production. So this is something I think America had to do just for our own national security. And thank God Republicans were at least willing to vote for it. Uh, And I think the great part of this kind of twofer with these two bills is that Democrats, uh, with Joe Manchin basically saying that the Build Back Better plan is um, basically... Uh, off the table, and then they passed this chip bill, and they said, nope, wait, it's still on the table. So Democrats have yeah, right. this $50 billion spending plan for computer chips and national security purposes, which is obviously important for America, uh, <clears throat> and it's bipartisan, and, and now they're gonna get a bill that not only provides uh, significant funding for environmental spending and addressing climate change, but then it'll also, with these taxes you mentioned, will reduce the uh, budget deficit by like $300 billion, which is pretty cool. Uh, and a lot of that money is just coming from taxing day traders and hedge funds, which uh, I don't think a lot of Americans in a political perspective care too much about. Like that's not hurting middle class people. It's not a, uh, a tax hike on people with families. It's, it's really just the uh, finance sharks who uh, manipulate, play and otherwise fuck with the global economy and our stock market uh, just to make money. So taxing them a little more to pay for climate change, which they obviously help cause and then also reduce the budget deficit, which is, you know, one other one other uh, uh, example of many of Democrats ultimately uh, doing good things for the country and lowering the deficit, while Republicans typically do bad things and increase the deficit. So, <laughs> yeah, despite all their bullshit about uh, balanced budgets and fiscal financial uh, uh, stability and... Uh, <laughs> this is so dumb. They're such, they're such like craven bullshit. But now they're like, now they're throwing a fit and Mitch, like there was another bill that was bipartisan support. I think it just voted like uh, something like 16 to 84 or something like that. The bill to uh, fund uh the veterans uh like health care bill and like some of the nine eleven, uh you know first responder stuff or something like that so now republicans apparently like voted that down yesterday out of protest at this new mansion bill coming out uh but it is funny it, it, it is a funny way to kind of game republicans like so props to uh joe Manchin for all this time you get a lot of like really liberal people saying like kick joe Manchin out of the party but then it's like You know, if he becomes an independent and then maybe wants to start caucusing with the Republicans because we're burning that bridge, you know, Democrats now lose all the gavels, they lose control of committees, uh, they don't have the vice president tying vote anymore, so just kind of not a good idea, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that's something I always, I mean, mean, this is kind of a more generic uh, big picture uh, domestic politics kind of point, but that's one of the things I always hate is the extent to which uh, so many Democrats want to die on the hill of individual cultural battles Uh, And Republicans do that, too, but a lot of times the stance that a lot of far left Democrats want to take and the, the hill they want to die on is so politically, you know, poorly worded or like politically infeasible or just not what a lot of people want that you really do risk control of doing things like this. Right. So if Republicans were in charge of the Senate and the House, uh, you would never get a what is this bill, like three hundred billion dollars for investing in, in uh something in green technology to address climate change? And yeah, know, that's one thing and I think Democrats need to think long and, stuff and hard like about. That. What? Right. Yeah, well I was just gonna uh, say that's something Democrats should think long and hard about, like with some of these cultural battles is are you gonna throw off Uh, or throw away potential support from independents and then lose control of these committees and the ability to get these types of under-the-table agreements done, lose control of the EPA and all the federal agencies, uh, like, is that worth it? And I think, you know, this is a good example where Democrats were very on message and strong up until 2020, and they got control of the Georgia seats and and look at what they've been able to do now, thankfully, right? right? With the smallest, literally the smallest possible uh, majority in the Senate and a very, very slim majority in the House. Um, so, uh, yeah, like you said, that's a testament to Schumer, who a lot of people have been shitting on lately, <laughs> myself included a little bit, at least in my own mind. It's like you had two years. What have you got for it? But, you know, this could be yeah. a huge game changer for the next two years uh, right. and, so, and the next right. 10 years for as the, you know, the spending uh, goes on year after year right. to address climate change. And I do want to say it's uh, I think we should uh, keep in mind like everybody wants to hate on the extreme left uh, Democrats like the squad and the people who are like kind of like uh, democratic socialism adjacent. Um, you know, they take a lot of shit and get blamed for a lot of problems in the Democratic Party. But when push comes to shove, it's not these progressive Democrats that are killing these bills because it's not as progressive or environmentalist or socialist as they want, you know. It's 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 important to note that like when push comes to shove, these like really progressive uh, Democrats, especially in the House, always vote for the thing, you know, the thing that has been killing it or the moderates, like cinema and mansion. So I mean just kind of credit where credit is due. And then Piggybacking on one thing you said, it's, it's so true that, like, Democrats do have the tendency to die in a hill. And it's in this election, which, you know, is potentially very winnable for these congressional majorities to stay Democratic. Uh, I think it's very, very important the Democrats don't get bogged down in the kind of identity politics that let Republicans kind of demagogue the issue and put everything on their playing fields. you know, because it's like. You know, the a big example in some of the past elections is uh, the uh, defund the police. Like in 2020, a lot of candidates, you know, said that was like one of the biggest things killing them in in both the polls and the eventual outcome of the elections. Um, you know, it's like if you're like very progressive and very kind of, you know, quote unquote, woke. Um, we, what's more important that all of the Democrats pander to like a very like general election, unpopular idea of defunding the police? Or losing the entire government to Republicans, like what's going to get more? Like a moderate Democrat who doesn't want to totally defund the police, or a Republican who's going to take over the Department of Justice and not do any of your priorities. So it's such an important message to remember for Democrats, especially like the really motivated, more kind of like partisan Democrats. It's like you know, do you want to die on this hill and get nothing, or do you want to maybe make the you know at times painful compromise to get something of what you want? So. I could what do you think about little... democratic strategy for this uh, coming election? What do you think candidates should focus on and say? Well, I mean, if they get this, uh, if this, uh, you know, smaller build back better adjacent framework path, that'll be a huge thing to run on. So they'll have the infrastructure plan, the uh, computer chips plan, um, and and that's something that like a lot of people don't talk about. There is actually a lot of stuff that the Senate and House are passing on a day to day basis, but it doesn't get any. Uh, you know, time on the airways or media people really talking about it. But there actually is a lot more that Democrats have helped do. Um, But I think, um, I don't know. I go back and forth, right? What's the strategy? Do you talk about how crazy Republicans are? The fact that Donald Trump is probably going to announce he's running for president again next month? Or, you know, or do you go positive and say, we've done all this stuff, Uh, you know, we did infrastructure. Do you think Trump might... Do you think Trump might because the uh, the RNC basically said that when Trump uh, oh, well, announces he's running for president Before we talk president, about that gonna... Before we talk about that if I could get yeah, two ahead. more points I want to see what your take on this is. I have two takes. One is you were saying, you know, give props to to Manchin and Cinema if they get this stuff done. One thing I find really annoying is the fact that Manchin basically waited until almost the end of the entire term for the Senate and waited until his Democratic president got down to like a 30 percent approval rating before he made moves on something Biden has been talking about doing since before he got elected during you know his campaigning and, and, and in the first months of his um, presidency. So I'm really annoyed that like a, a Democratic senator has basically only done what needed to be done when everything looked bleak, right? When your president is the lowest approval rating of his presidency and one of the lowest approval ratings of any president ever. I mean, that's really annoying to me. Um, so that's uh, one thing. Yeah, the second thing so I think true. is- That's on real quick on, on that, Democrats need to learn the lesson that Republicans know, is yeah. that like when, you're, when your president is popular, everyone in Congress does better, right? Yeah. Everyone has a better approval when you don't have like this inter-party like, uh, you know, team killing. Like Democrats always do the opposite, where they always try to distance themselves. From the president, whereas like Trump, even though he's like committing all these crimes, gets impeached twice, loses the like both chambers of Congress with his idiocy, and then you know basically does the January 6th insurrection. It's like at the end of the term, didn't Trump still probably have like 96% approval rating or something ridiculous with Republicans, and especially in like the Republican Congress of like senators and representatives who won't say anything bad about Trump on record, even though like everyone's like, oh yeah, behind the scenes and off the record, they all wish Trump would just disappear, you know? Yeah. And and that's, I mean, yeah. The fact that like you think you you can insulate yourself from the uh, approval rating of the president of your party, it's like your most ardent voters don't even care about your state election. You know, that's another, and that was the second thing I was going to bring up. The fact that Democrats don't care about local uh, races. Uh, They only care about the president. They want the federal government to do everything, which at least from an environmental perspective, that's like a huge beef of mine because there is so much that can be done at the local level and democrats don't care they often don't even run candidates for local elections that it'll be like a republican or like a libertarian that's on the ballot for these like obscure pointless but very you know at the same time powerful local jobs like the fact that you know, you don't have Democrats intimately concerned about expanding zoning for different green projects at the local level. Um, I don't think it's really appropriate or even like super feasible for the federal government to do everything for the entire country Regarding addressing climate change, there's so much that can be done at the state and local level, and Democrats don't even vote there. So if you really care so much about climate change and and being environmental, protecting the environment, like there's so much you could do at the local level. So that's my my second little beef, I guess. Uh, I don't yeah. know what your that, thoughts on that are. And that's a good are. point. That's a good point, too, because uh, one of the biggest things that like Democrats get criticized for and attacked on is that they want the government to get involved in every aspect of our lives. And it's kind of true because Democrats are so kind of hands off at the extreme local level. And, uh, you know, obviously, there's just so many more counties, towns and districts that are red especially at the state level with like state congressional maps just because there's so many you know so like so many democratic voters are uh, centralized in big cities and then there's just massive swaths of land of red with like local red uh, like republican officials of all stripes. So then it, it's like literally walking into the, uh, the kind of uh, messaging trap the Republicans set because Democrats don't take advantage of all these lower districts. So the federal government literally has to do everything by itself. right? It'd be so much easier, um, especially for big Democratic policies, if they weren't just kind of hands off or like, you know, in, at least in terms of geography, like a stunning amount of America, like just geographically. No. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, But so now now time for the conversation I've been looking forward to is if you think Trump's going to run before the midterms, which I think would be so classic Trump. So uh, different different uh, conflicting (laughs) schools of thought. Uh, One is that Trump wants to get ahead of any potential Department of Justice investigation so he can avoid (laughs) being held criminally liable for his many, many crimes while in office, not to count. Uh, the the attempted overthrow of the United States government and our democracy and way of life. Um, but I think that's hilarious. He also wants to try to ensure that he dis- uh, announces he's going to run before, you know, Ron DeSantis or any other Republican does so that two things can happen. One is he has all the media attention on himself. And two, he can he can basically call every Republican who said they won't run. If Trump runs, he can call their bluff and keep them out of the race before uh, he has to you know yeah. do any serious hard lifting. <laughs> right. So, I mean, politically, it kind of makes sense for Trump, especially if he can just beat any Department of Justice uh, investigations, because if he's running, then, I mean, it's not true and it's obviously bullshit, but he can at least, he can kind of have that like degree of deniability with his supporters and the QAnon types and like the you know, the Trump or die kind of people, because he can just say anything, any sense of wrongdoing the Department of Justice is investigating or maybe even prosecuting him for or indicting him him or you know arresting him he can just say it's all politically motivated so in terms of politics that's kind of like a really good reason for him to run um, on another hand, I think Trump's ego is just like the midterms come around and like it, the conversation's not about him. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he still thinks it's his party and like he's going around giving endorsements, trying to be a kingmaker, in some instances, uh, taking away his previous endorsements to endorse the person winning <laughs> the primary, like so, such bullshit. So he's obviously, it's like everything's about ego for him. Um, I do. I've heard reports that Republicans are like desperately telling Trump, like, not to announce before the midterms. I think Kevin McCarthy said something to the effect of that he was talking to Trump about not doing it so that they don't make the midterms about Trump. Because uh, Trump, uh, I think, uh, obviously 2020 kind of suggests that he's unpopular and brings down Republican candidates nationally a little bit. Um, but. Um, I think the biggest thing is uh, like Ron DeSantis and some of the other matchups. I would uh, I would love to see a uh, knife fight between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. I actually wrote a little bit about this uh, previously. But what do you think about that? Do you, what do you think about that potential matchup? Do you think uh, Ron DeSantis smells blood? Do you think any other candidates might jump in and be either a threat or some kind of like spoiler? What do you think? Well, I don't know about a spoiler, certainly not for a primary. I know Mike Pence is going to run, obviously, which I love. Ted the Cruz fact is obviously going to run. We know that. Yeah, Ted Cruz, Perennial Mike candidate Pompeo. Ted Cruz. <laughs> well, I love the the Mike yeah. Pence part because he has to basically say, I believe everything I did with Trump in the Trump-Pence presidency was a great thing. Uh, and then he, his whole shtick is that he simply, quote, unquote, disagrees with Trump on January 6th, which is a very funny <laughs> understatement for an event that Trump (laughs) inflicted a riot on you and almost killed not only you, but your wife and your daughter, too, which is amazing to me. The the lack of cojones of Mike Pence to like if anyone could probably sink Donald Trump right now and add a little uh, extra oomph to the the congressional uh, committee hearings is Mike Pence and talk about how, yeah, me and everyone around me in that room were literally terrified for our lives and me for my own wife and daughters lives because of what Trump did. But instead he's going to, you also- know, continue Oh go. Yeah. Ahead. Also Pence Pence had like tons of conversations with Trump, and I'm sure there's tons of documents and or text. Like it'd be really funny to watch, like, you know, Mike Pence read aloud, just text Trump sent to him, calling him a pussy or something. You know, like like if and that's a weird thing. Mike Pence is gonna run for president, and like if he really wants to win, wouldn't the smart thing be to just like kill the the potential uh uh presidential campaign of donald trump right like mike pence could probably just go to the january 6th committee and just you know give enough stuff to just like make wild uh like tv like spectacular tv events of the century (laughs)
1: You know, and he's
0: running for president against the guy who tried to kill him. So that makes no sense. And plus, it's like the first, like not even the first debate, every debate Mike Pence goes to, every event and every question from the journalist is going to be the journalist or reporter saying, hey, what about when Donald Trump tried to kill you? (laughs) It's like here he is trying to like just not talk about January 6th whatsoever. But does he really think that's going to work like in all these campaign events going on into the future? Well, and certainly, do you think he's really going to get on a debate stage for a primary with Donald Trump on the stage and the press isn't going to ask him about January 6th? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So either way, he's going to embarrass himself one way or another. And, you know, he's probably going to stand on a debate stage and not not say anything negative about Trump, but Trump's obviously going to ridicule him on stage. uh, Yeah, call him a coward and a pussy and weak. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be so weird. It'll be like the... I mean, like, I hate the idea that Trump's an alpha because it's so stupid because he's a whiny little bitch about everything and he thinks everything's rigged against him, anything that he can't win. You know, he's just like he's like a total uh, uh, like addict for just everyone constantly having an attention on him, like in a very sad and pathetic way. But I mean, it'll really be a juxtaposition of like alpha and beta with Mike Pence on a debate stage, like he, you know, like NBC or whoever, CNN, whoever, like designs the debate is going to probably put Pence's podium right next to Donald Trump's. <laughs> you know, it's like, will Mike Pence make eye contact with Trump? Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, will he just be looking straight ahead the entire debate? <laughs> Well, it's such an elephant in the room, too. It would be like uh, having someone who was like a coke addict who was caught multiple times like naked in the streets, like needing rehab, and then running for president and not expecting anyone to ask him about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone who actually... runs for president and wants everyone to not ask about his laptop and the contents found on it. Well, remember that guy from, I think it was Georgia, he was running for governor or whatever, and he said something about the, along the lines of, in Georgia, every, every boy's first girlfriend is a mule and <laughs> it's like you don't think you'd be asked about that <laughs> right what, what i can't hope what i can't wait for though is I, I i hope to god i would love to see this but if ron DeSantis wins iowa new hampshire primaries and then trump goes on the war path ridiculing the rnc for being rigged and having you know declaring it a fake election and that he won and like that would be so perfect what do you think i i'm gonna throw it out right now I bet $10 to some charity or something that if Donald Trump loses Iowa and New Hampshire and sees the writing in the room that he's going to lose the election, he's going to claim it's all rigged and just go third party. He's going to start a third party just to ruin Republicans if he's not going to win, if you know, if he goes through that and running. Well, uh, what do you I mean, think about that? Would you, would you bet money on highly, that right now? I think that's not only possible, it might be likely if he starts losing primaries because we know he already threaten the RNC multiple times to go third party or go independent or withhold yeah. his support, uh, which will be another funny thing because if he ad- if Trump announces that he's running for president, the RNC won't be able to pay his legal bills anymore legally because the RNC is not supposed to take a position and, and, and give any benefit to any particular candidate. So right now, the RNC, <laughs> this is my favorite part. If you're donating money to the RNC, it's being wasted on Trump's stupid legal bills, overpaying those god-awful lawyers who are doing a shit job representing him. <laughs> And, and his 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 White House and his accomplishments. Uh, so right now, the RNC is literally paying legal bills for Trump. But it will it will be funny if he announces Trump will actually have to pay uh, those legal bills instead. So uh, I just feel bad for all those Republicans that Republican don't, uh, you know, operatives scare into giving their $5, 10 $20 a nah, month. They don't know and they don't care. And, you know, they... they like they they're willingly giving that money and putting their head in the sand about what a waste it is so i don't think that matters i don't i don't really have sympathy for that however it'll be funny if trump doesn't run and then like how long does the rnc just continue paying trump's bills <laughs> Like if he decides not to run, you know, <laughs> like let's well, well, just go on for like twenty years. Like in two, the election two thousand forty, the RNC is still like budgeting. Well, I guess Trump's not going to live till then, so. Well, that's budgeting. the other funny I thing guess is the idea is funny. Well, the other <laughs> maybe they're, they're going to be is... paying Donald Trump Junior's bills or something. Oh, well, the whole family. Yeah. The other funny thing is that the amount of Republicans donating money directly to uh, Trump's PAC and campaign or whatever. So all of that money is going to Donald Trump, which is paying for his family and his political people to basically live the high life. And none of that money is getting shared with the RNC or going to support any actual Republican candidates right now, which is very (laughs) funny that Trump is literally hoarding like a hundred million dollar war chest, which will be like reason number eight if Republicans don't keep either this or don't uh, gain the Senate or the the house it'll be because trump fleeced his supporters of all their money and didn't share it with any republicans which would right. be so par for the course for donald trump to lose the republican party uh both houses of congress uh without actually being on the uh ballot himself yet yeah for real Um, Do you think anybody else will run? I think uh, like in 2016, there were like 20 candidates or something, 19 eventually. So that's pretty much how Trump won, (laughs) even though he never had more than a plurality of the Republican vote. It's just because so many candidates kind of flooded the zone that Trump was able to like, you know, just be crazy enough to win a plurality. Um, So I think coming up in this election, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump i, mean, I, I happen, don't think right? i don't think it's as why wi- it's a wild west opening you know with there was no incumbent in 2016 um everybody you know donald trump was such a monkey wrench in the works of like professional politics that like a bunch of candidates jumped in thinking like hey if Trump's in, maybe i could win you know who knows i don't think there's going to be as large a uh a field this time around but it will be interesting to see i mean like i guess mike pompeo is going to run again but You know, like Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence, I think are like competing to see who can get like the the last one percent of Iowa primary voters. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't really know that either of them have constituencies. Ted Cruz, I don't know. He was kind of like the he was pretty high up in several elections previously, but he's just so fucking unlikable. The guy's just such a creep. And then like like he he left Texas like the the whole leaving Texas during the uh, <laughs> the ice storm <laughs> going to Cancun like there's just no way that guy gets ahead I, I don't understand how like why he thinks uh... I don't I mean, I guess Ted Cruz is just fueled by the narcissism and the thought that he deserves and will be president someday that like he has no dignity or shame left. But man, talk about just an embarrassing image of just him in that Texas mask in line at the airport with the little carry on luggage going to Cancun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, talk about like branding of the absurd. Uh, What do you what do you any other thoughts on the primary? Well, I think if the uh, candidates. I, I think if a lot of people run, there's no way Trump doesn't win a plurality um, unless somehow Ron DeSantis right, actually but, continues his momentum. Uh, one thing is, well, but let's, I think, let's say let, let's say Donald Trump has like 50 percent of the vote. Ron DeSantis has 40 percent. Ted Cruz has five percent. And then like maybe Pompeo and Pence are splitting like two percent or something with like three percent undecided or whatever is left. What do you think about that? Do You think if um, the others just back out and then it's kind of like this De- like ahead of Super Tuesday it's DeSantis or Trump? Also, let's say the January sixty yeah, yeah. keep you know, they're gonna have more hearings in September and stuff. I mean, uh, the Department of Justice might indict him and in arrest like Trump might be running from prison in two years. We don't <laughs> know. <laughs> well yeah, that's a good point. Um <laughs> Well, the the biggest thing will be the Georgia thing too, because that's a uh, very. I mean, I think the the proof is in the pudding, right? He literally called the person responsible <laughs> yeah, for Georgia right. elections and said, "Find me these votes like yeah. a mob boss." Like that Let's is say he's the in prison gun. in Georgia. Do you think Fox News will put on a debate letting Trump call in from the prison paper? <laughs> Well, yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> like, what's the legality <laughs> of running for president from prison and then immediately uh, uh, <laughs> giving yourself a pardon? Which, of course, wouldn't work in Georgia. Uh, that you would, if you, if you're indicted on Georgia <laughs> yeah, crimes, true. you wouldn't be able oh, to that's pardon true. yourself. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But. If you're on, yeah, but I guess the, I guess in that case, the governor, as long as the governor's, you know, Kemp would probably pardon. <laughs> Trump, although you know, just this is obviously very hypothetical, but I would hope uh, Kemp, like let's say governor uh, governor Kemp gets reelected, uh, I would hope Kemp gets some like massive, <laughs> like I don't, I you know, with some way that it's not bribery, but like Kemp to pardon Trump, you know, let's say, <laughs> I would hope he gets something really good from Trump. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man. What an absurd uh, what an absurd but possible <laughs> idea about the future like American politics is just so stupid now that like I would not be surprised if that happened like I would not say that this is an impossible scenario <laughs> Oh man <laughs> Well what do you, okay so let's uh, flip it on the other side. do you think Biden should run? Uh, no I don't I think uh, for his personal legacy he should just be a one term he did what he had to do to stop Trump. Uh, I think especially with this big climate bill and who knows what happens in the midterms, you know, there's potential for uh, like actual, you know, continued bipartisan stuff in the background. And, you know, I, I mean, if Republicans take the House in the midterms, I think, you know, that's just game over for any kind of, you know, legislation in the next two years. I don't think a speaker, Kevin McCarthy, is going to do literally anything except investigate Biden. Uh, well, not even Biden. I think they'll investigate Hunter Biden, right? So, like, the whole... Yeah. If, if Kevin McCarthy is in charge of a Republican majority in the House, they'll, they'll do their stupid, petty uh, investigations into people like uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Secretary of De- uh, for the Department of Transportation, and then the... Um, a uh, homeland security uh, secretary, uh, and and they'll just be partisan bullshit investigations. But I think there's no way to cut it. That uh, I think investigations in Hunter Biden would be terrible for Biden, make him look real bad, and that would be all voters see up and you know for the entire yeah. uh, 2024 election cycle. Um, so I think for that matter, it might be very good for for uh, Biden's own family to just. Uh, quietly announce they're not going to uh, run for re-election and then find some way. I think the most important thing is to find a way that Kamala Harris doesn't become the automatic front runner (laughs) and then lose an election for Democrats, which I think would definitely happen when you think about that. You know, people say that she's the obvious front runner, but I mean... there's just like literally no enthusiasm for her so i'm sure she's gonna run she probably wants to be president but i mean like the last time around like before iowa took place she was out because there was like money issues staff issues unfortunately i don't think it's totally deserved but the kind of like uh you know dc like gossip chatter is that like she's kind of burning through a bunch of staffers and Uh, I don't think the Biden administration is necessarily doing her favors by doing big profile like celebrations of like, we're going to hand off all the we're going to make her kind of like the unofficial czar of like immigration, (laughs) like all these unfixable problems that like are pretty much unfixable with a with Republicans in Congress, let alone like just the vice president trying to do things on her own. So I don't think the administration is doing her that many favors. Um, well, I'll give you that because there's absolutely no way in hell that Republicans would go along with anything related to immigration right. or the border because that's frankly all they talk about on Fox News and how they scare old people into giving them money. So if that was actually a problem that got addressed, let alone mitigated, let alone solved, uh, they would. what would they talk about for eight of the 24 hours a, a day on Fox News, you know? Yeah, and and see that's what that's it's gonna be annoying because people are gonna you know bitch about how she's obviously the front runner. People aren't respecting her because she's a black woman, um, and. It's like it's like the same thing with Democrats in the last uh, presidential election, like when Cory Booker bowed out. Right. And everyone is throwing a big fit about, oh, this is so sad. What does this say about us? Like, I can't believe all the people of color are out. But it's like, did any of you vote for them? Did anybody saying how sad they are that all the people of color got out? Like, were you supporting them, giving money for them, phone banking for them, volunteering for them, you know, literally voting for them? Like, um, well, I think well, that's, that's a, kind of a stupid anyway. thing, right? that's a dumb argument because biden became got the nomination because he won handedly in south carolina which was a predominantly black you know democratic primary electorate voter yeah electorate bastion that basically right uh, put his campaign back in the running and ultimately helped him win um but yeah we'll see so what democrats are are you following or looking forward to potentially running if biden says he's not going to run yeah. Um, I really like Pete Buttigieg. He's young, but I mean, in terms like that's that's really something that like in this uh, hyper partisan 24 hour cable news kind of uh, political environment is uh, like we're getting away from like the wonky people who can get things done without making a big deal about themselves. So in terms of tran- like the Department of Transportation, I'm really kind of impressed with what Buttigieg has been doing with the um Uh, like all the different stimulus plans and things like that um, I really like you know Obama was kind of like that. Obama was like kind of a celebrity candidate, but he was also like really wonky and like obviously kind of the smartest person in the room wherever he's talking. Like you see these videos of Pete Buttigieg going on Fox News and just like literally dismantling all of their dumb talking points and kind of like tearing apart the premises of their questions to answer it in a smart, empathetic way that like solves issues and is talking about the problem without just saying stupid talking points like every time I hear uh like a story about Pete uh Pete Buttigieg it's just like super impressive too because like some some uh, it was what's her name Liz something wrote a book was talking about how she was like uh like one of the reporters like following around uh Pete and like <laughs> shout at, out to and, like added yeah yeah shout out so like at some event like at an airport when they were like doing something with like the uh, when Trump did the uh, the the immigration ban from like the Muslim countries or whatever, like some, someone was yelling like we need a translator and Pete Buttigieg is like tr- translating questions from a Spanish journalist to a guy who we thought spoke like farsi or something and then it turned out it was just arabic so pete starts translating to arabic or whatever and he's like oh woo, thank god because my farsi is a little rusty it's like that is the guy that's like just obviously smarter than anyone in the room that like should probably you know advance and be rewarded in politics not someone like uh like donald trump obviously or like the madison cawthorns or marjorie taylor greens of the world so i think well, uh, uh... Have you heard yeah, all that, ahead. like, that, like, bullshit, like, the, like, quote, unquote, independent journalists who think they get it all have, like, been really hammering Pete Buttigieg and the Department of Transportation for the current, uh, you know, shit show that the airline industry is? Have you been following that at all? Yeah, but I, I, I can't imagine that is fair. In, well, no, that's in what, degree. yeah, that's my point is I don't think it's fair at all. And it makes literally no sense that, like, you're going to, you're going to accuse the federal government of somehow not forcing <laughs> public companies to do you know something other than what they want to do like if you imagine pete Buttigieg just decided we're going to take over these airline companies which wouldn't be legal and he can't do politically (laughs) or legally like the idea that he would get blamed like and here's another thing like he people were making fun of him because he was supposed to take like a flight to new york city or he was supposed to take a flight somewhere and his flight got canceled and they're like how does this happen to the department of transportation it's like well he's not like running (laughs) The airlines is his yeah, day job. Right. Like what a what a stupid point to make. But but I, I agree with you that he's a very smart guy and he, he <laughs> I mean, he's the only Democrat regularly going on Fox News and other Republican media and basically schooling them about whatever the issue of the day is. And he's very eloquent. But yeah, it's just funny, like that that fake outrage about his job as Department of Transportation. Uh, yeah, and the fact that like that's another critique. They're saying he's not fining airlines enough for basically running their companies really shitty and hurting you know, people who want to take flights anywhere. But that's another thing. Right. If, if you were to fine an airline a billion dollars, you know who would pay for that fine? It would be the customers, right? You'd pay more for baggage. You'd pay for more for extra, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, whatever that meal is or whatever. Like, uh, So anyway, I just... Yeah, that's something I keep hearing about and people keep talking on and on and on about it, how it's his fault and it just makes literally no sense to me, but... Yeah, I uh, I don't know who. What other candidates would you consider possibly running? Like obviously Kamala Harris. people Well, have you seen Gavin what Newsom's uh, ads he's done in Texas and Florida? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> between yeah, that and going to run, yeah. state fairs in Iowa, what else says that you're running than putting ads in other states? Right. Yeah. What do you think about him, though? Um. <clears throat> well, I mean, for one thing, you you can't argue with the the results that California has a massive. Uh, budget uh, surplus, and they're, you know, having to debate what they're going to do with all the billions and billions and billions of dollars that the state has left over. So that's a good thing. Uh, people shit on California for a lot of reasons. Um, I think it's unwarranted just because, like, California's whole uh, referendum thing, like anyone can put up uh, put up any issue for a vote, is obviously going to make for uh, more let's say dynamic, uh, political process (laughs) and the recalls have been silly. But again, that's like, if, if, if you have a state where you need like 10 signatures to call a recall, (laughs) like, yeah, you're probably going to get a lot of recalls. So, um, I think like a lot of the partisan gripes against him are probably unwarranted. Um, like uh, people, that's another thing. Like people are going to blame him for the, uh, housing crisis and the, uh, Uh, Homeless uh, person uh, problem in a lot of cities in California. But, like, again, that's like, is that really the governor's fault? that he's not micromanaging every goddamn city in the state to fix their problems that they can't figure yeah. out. And that's just, plus it's, it's like the- Plus that's stupid too. It's like all these issues that Republicans hammer Democrats for, like the problems are like the, are typical like Republican behaviors or principles. You know, like housing nationally is a huge problem because all these private companies are like not having to pay taxes. So they're spending all that money just buying up a shit ton of real estate to hold on to as both an investment and or use as like kind of like rental properties so it's like so annoying that it's like you're right like what is the governor of california gonna personally okay or deny every single housing request or purchase or you know mortgage from now on well i'll make this from a policy perspective so you know not from a political perspective but just in terms of policy i think there's equal blame to go around between democrats and republicans for this mess certainly a large part of it is compounded by the very asymmetrical and opposite problems that both parties kind of bring. Like for one, you have a lot of Democratic voters who wanna build, 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 build all this housing, but then they don't want it in their backyard. So when you have rich zip codes demanding that all projects and infrastructure and like new housing developments not be built in their zip code, like that's a problem. On the other hand you have Republicans who don't want anything, you know, they they don't they don't even want this problem right now to be addressed. It's like the same thing with the border, right? Republicans genuinely don't want this issue in big cities to be solved because what else would they talk about on Fox News for 8 hours of the day and what else would they scare old people to giving them money for? That being said, like like we just mentioned like the governor is not in charge of zoning in any city in california right so like if you're going to blame someone for there not being more housing being built blame the zoning commission in the cities right gavin newsom is not micromanaging that and that's just like i mean to some extent that's Understandable because that's just politics, right? You blame the governor for stuff that's going on in the, the state. I mean, it's the same thing as blaming the president for the price of gas, even though he has literally nothing to do with it. And what means he has at his disposal, uh, which is go beg Saudi Arabia to, to produce more oil. <laughs> right. It's kind of, you know, unseemly and, and politically shaky at best uh, kind of thing to do. And then the other thing is just release oil from the the National Petroleum Reserve, which will make the price go down by like a nickel, which is like a pointless endeavor to even, you know, it's it's something to say you're doing something, but it, it really has yeah, been tangible. Yeah, it's kind of political theater at that point. Yeah, but but yeah, so going back to the, yeah, Gavin Newsom, um, I think he's obviously going to run if Biden doesn't run again. I don't think he'd be bad. I mean, there's obviously, there's some political baggage of having a California Democrat run, Um, because for a lot of Republicans, just blah, 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 California bad (laughs) is kind of their (laughs) mantra. Yeah, right. Uh Um, That being said, I mean, there's uh, apparently like a ton of mayors and and governors that you just don't hear anything about, which I've long thought that Democrats, uh, you know, I'll say this, Hillary Clinton was probably the most qualified person to run for president since George George H.W. Bush, you know. Um, that being said, with all the baggage and lies Republicans had made up about her, probably a bad choice. So yeah, I've long thought the lies that Democrats... going back like thirty years. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah like and, and, and like a lot years. of it. I mean, it's 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 just politics. I won't say it's unfair, but it's it's clearly unwarranted. Um, you know, the lies they made up about her were just stupid. And, you know, the worst thing Hillary Clinton tried to do as First Lady was, uh, you know, give poor people better health (laughs) health insurance. Right. Uh, And that's some kind of unforgivable sin. But I will say. I've long thought that Democrats should just pick like a governor, a successful governor that you don't know anything bad about. So when you put them in the national uh, spotlight, they look good and you don't have a long history of Republicans just straight up making conspiracy theories up and just outright lies. And like you want someone who people don't already think might be, you know, Killing babies and drinking their blood, like that's a that's a plus in yeah. this political environment. You need a clean slate for the conspiracies, not not you know like a whole books worth of existing conspiracies coming with you to whatever campaign <laughs> yeah. event you want. Yeah, you need to you need to let the conspiracies all start from scratch when you announce yeah. your candidacy. <laughs> well, that's like yeah. one of the good things about Pete Buttigieg is you know he's kind of a clean slate. um You know he ran a very sick you know a surprisingly successful presidential campaign almost was it Iowa he almost won so like the very first no, he did. primary no i think he did win i think he ended up did winning oh wow yeah so i mean plus i mean now he's a he's a mayor of a, a sizable city and he's he's worked in the you know a, a federal agency managing lots of people um, plus like you said he's he's clearly a smarter type of person than so many other people in our politics right what about you are you looking at anyone in particular uh, I think Pete, I think uh, he's the person I've been really impressed by and I think just he's got that like kind of technocratic approach to things of just like really, you know, getting things done. He doesn't, he kind of obviously doesn't have an ego, which like sounds counterintuitive because he was like running for president as a mayor. But I think just looking, I mean, he's not like Trump. He's not doing it out of vanity. He's doing it more out of, uh, you know, like I think we, to, I think we need a new approach to solving these issues you know, and I think that's kind of like really refreshing to have a uh, candidate that's not just uh, involved in like the cable news talking points, uh, you know, sound bites kind of game. He's it's like it, it, he's like actually playing the game of governance, you know, not just political bullshit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, as far as other people, I'm sure uh like cory booker will probably run again i'm sure elizabeth warren might run <laughs> bernie sanders will keep running until he's like 120 years old <laughs> and looks like a skeleton <laughs> but yeah, i don't, know. Do I don't you know think he'll run again i don't i'm not really getting the vibe that bernie's gonna run again i think people have talked about how his campaign surrogates or whatever from last time have uh basically been told to keep the idea open in case he chooses to run again um, hmm. But, you know, that's one of those things is like, why would you not hedge your bets for any yeah. you know potential uh, outcome, especially if you probably have shitloads of money left over from your previous campaign? Because the, right. the funny thing in our political system is you don't end a campaign, you suspend it so that you can keep all that money for whatever purposes yeah. you see fit as you go on right i will say democrats should be pretty careful because again there is that outsized chance that donald trump starts a third party and just tanks republicans out of grievance and pettiness well yeah i mean that's a crazy thing like legally uh i mean he I mean, it's bad news for our, our republic, but we're in that, like, late stage uh, triumvirate, like Julius Caesar. Like, I have to take over the government or I go to jail for life. <laughs> right. That's where Trump is right now. Yeah. So very dangerous time, but um, I would be hilarious. I would love to see him on a debate stage again with tons of other people trying to politely point out that things he did were bad. Meanwhile, like, you know, the Republican base would love the red meat of him just, like, you know, zinging stupid, childish uh immature one-liners that probably don't even make sense half the time but i mean that would be funny to see yeah. like this ted like if ted cruz runs against trump again like <laughs> like what do, you, what do you think will happen this time he's already had his wife uh, mocked for being ugly you know he, he had his dad accused of being involved with the jfk assassination like <laughs> what other lows will donald trump what what new lows will donald trump hit yeah I don't know. Part of me thinks, like, polls are kind of suggesting this. Like, there have been polls that, like, roughly 50% of Republicans have kind of, like, switched to Ron DeSantis or, like, want somebody new, you know. Polls are kind of differing, but it's between, like, one-third and one-half of Republicans are kind of, like, over Donald Trump. But do you think think that'll that'll have any bearing on whether or not Trump actually runs? Um, I don't think it'll have a bearing on whether Trump runs, but I think if he does run, I do think that... like voters want something new. Trump comes with so much baggage. Um, I, I think even conservatives are kind of like fed up with having Trump be the kind of black hole of attention, just sucking up all the air in like every debate and issue. Um, so I do think, I mean, Ron DeSantis would be smart to run. I mean, he's kind of new, he's kind of that fresh slate like we were talking about, like he's a kind of out of nowhere governor who's pretty popular in his state with his own voters and stuff like that. So I do think, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis smells the, the blood in the water of Trump. And I mean, Republicans have to run other people. I mean, like with, with these like Department of Justice uh, interviews with like Mark Short who was Mike Pence's like campaign or, uh, sorry, his uh, chief of staff uh, they, they just got a warrant or they just successfully got the warrant for John Eastman's phones and stuff like that. So now they're going through the process of like, you know, figuring out what all is fair to use and what, you know, isn't, uh, you know, evidence of wrongdoing and crime. So, that, you know, like they're going through that process of like separating like the usable, like legal, like incriminating evidence and stuff. So that's like a really bad sign. The Department of Justice, you know, all this time was kind of like looking like they're not doing anything. But now these are like pretty big moves, pretty fast. Fast, the like like you were mentioning with georgia i mean that's like a pretty airtight case that donald trump literally was trying to do electoral fraud in georgia and like maybe even threatening you know, the secretary of state like he kind of had that veiled thread of like bad things might happen or whatever so i mean like that's a pretty airtight case there's like the the uh, uh, uh what is it the attorney general of new york there's the uh the, well, I mat- the like new york the case wasn't Southern going anywhere anymore I thought they were basically still kind of going somewhere because like the the what is it the southern district in new york the what is that the um i forget the position but all in all there's like six or seven like major investigations going through so i mean like republicans would be really i mean that would be like political malpractice to put all their eggs in the trump basket and then have them get arrested <laughs> You know, like that's like terrible planning. So I think, I mean, even the RNC probably has to be like, you know, planning for a post-Trump political atmosphere. I mean, we'll see. I mean, you could have thought that any time when Trump got the nomination initially, that the RNC was just getting ready to dump him. They were happy with the money, but they couldn't wait for, you know, someone else to take his spot. Uh, You probably imagine multiple times where Republicans are like, we're done with, you know, the fact that Paul Ryan, of all people, couldn't stand up to Trump or say anything negative is kind of damning on him. How many Republicans decided to just up and quit (laughs) rather than continue working? And, you know, one of the most powerful jobs in America being in the Senate or the House of Representatives, you know, Uh, I mean, think of that. The Speaker of the House of Representatives quit because he didn't want to deal with Trump like that's pretty uh, pretty sad. You know, the the Speaker of the House is like, Oh, I've done I, I can't imagine doing anything more. I've already done everything I wanna do. Like what a Well with what Paul Bryan that's kinda true with the the tax cuts and everything. I mean that that kinda was his like reason to be in politics <laughs> that kind of well that's another thing too right so you have the i mean that's a good point for for this point which is that the speaker of the house of representatives had one goal it was to get tax cuts and then quit like republicans have literally zero other policy goals except owning the libs and apparently taking all rights away from women so <laughs>
1: that's well see, like that's they're... an
0: interesting thing because all this time republicans have been lucky that they with the filibuster they did never tried to like get rid of roe versus wade but now especially with these polls showing the democrats are up by four to six percent on the generic ballot like it you know i mean who knows and after the midterms if democrats keep both chambers and like their senate majority goes up i mean i think the i you know who knows how a hundred percent accurate or specific this is but obviously like all of the uh, op-eds afterwards are going to be saying republicans you know caught the what's the phrase they caught the car and then got hit by it or whatever so mm-hmm. i mean i It'll be interesting. Uh, and, and plus, you know, with polling, they're kind of off because um, just like kind of like populational and societal and cultural trends, it's harder and harder to call people at their home. So polls have been kind of getting more and more wild. But who knows? Like with TikTok, I mean, I'm sure none of these polls are really interviewing that many TikTok age people. And I would hope, you know, that maybe young people will actually vote. Young people still never vote. <laughs> like, what are we, aren't we lucky if we get like 20% like millennials and Gen Z people voting. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe with like taking away all these rights from women and just being like draconian, like, you know, Christo- Christian ethno-nationalists. Like maybe uh, there will be even a blue wave that we're just not catching on polls, you know, heralded by all these young people <laughs> who like don't want to live in this disgusting world. So who knows? Well, well that's but like one of I those think things, it's right? Definitely. Yeah, go for it uh one of those things from like a a political political science like big picture it's like imagine another imagine a hypothetical country where one of the only two major political parties decided they're just going to start taking away rights from 50 plus percent of the population and it's like you would hope at least you know this is a democrat obviously hoping that that would indicate that that party would lose (laughs) in the next election, that they're just taking rights away from people and they're promising or hinting or anticipating further uh, erosion of rights from other groups of people and then you're not too distant future. It's like, how does that political party win again? So, I mean, from a non-partisan perspective, just like from a rational human being who kind of understands how politics work, you would hope that that would lead to an electoral Uh, downfall for that party that's just obligated and at this point ideologically committed uh, uh, to taking away rights from people. And the people who know better are just too cowardly to join the vast overwhelming vast majority of the American population in doing what they want instead, right? I mean, we have so many issues right now where 70% of the population Uh, wants one thing or another, and then the Republican Party just says, Nope, we're not doing that. And they do something that only 30 or less percent of the population wants. Well, it's it's, astounding. It's it's the media environment, too, because just the apathetic people. I mean, like if you're I mean, how many apathetic people like all their news comes from their Facebook feed? in which case you're just competing with so many things. Like how many young people are only really watching like Instagram videos and TikTok? Like how much of politics really filters down to like the most, you know, like 50% of the population doesn't vote. So I, I would imagine that that 50% aren't paying attention, don't really know any of this that we're talking about. Like, <laughs> don't know any of the people we've mentioned in this entire podcast, you know, couldn't tell you a single Supreme Court judge, whatever. Uh, maybe like some of this anti-women stuff's filtering down to them finally, but like up until now, almost nothing gets through to them um so yeah you would hope it would be like a landslide when you just start taking all these rights away but you know i guess we won't know until the election happens it is just frustrating though that like so much of polling now is just like kind of like an educated guess at best it used to be like everyone kind of thought polling was kind of a science but now it's just like so hard to reach people and so hard to accurately gauge that like you know I mean, in terms of Well, it's still a like science, polling, but the issue is that it's so much well, harder yeah. now to get actual random right. representation or random groups of people and to mm-hmm. not, like... I mean, yeah. I mean, it's still mathematically based in, you know, something real. They're just getting really bad thanks to, like, right, things yeah, like yeah, the internet. Yeah. Good point. And, yeah, and, and there's some people who talk mm-hmm. about how they lie, like, especially Trump supporters. I heard tons of stories about people who admitted lying to pollsters because they thought it was funny. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. like, yeah, that's real... That's hilarious, but yeah <laughs> I mean I'm laughing about it now yeah. but I mean like what a kind of a silly thing like why wouldn't you just hang up it's like, I'm gonna lie I'm gonna lie and right. say I'm a Democrat who loves Biden it's like okay cool yeah yeah Well, here's the thing. That's what I was thinking about, like, democratic strategy for the election. I really think maybe of all elections, you know, all this time, like all these previous elections, you get, like, Democrats getting into the details and complexities of, you know, issues and things we're doing for the people, even if, like, people don't really believe it because they watch, they don't pay attention or they just hear Fox News soundbites talking about how like everything Biden does is ruined and America's fucked and you know Trump made America great again and now we're socialist because Democrats took over but I wonder if maybe like Democrats really should just focus on the anti-women stuff and the anti-abortion stuff because I, I mean that seems to be the most like salient issue right now and in terms of like uh well I'd say it's uh, hard to deny that that those two issues is is it not at least mostly responsible for the current Democratic bump, right? People know yeah. who Trump is. I don't think the January 6th, like I hope the January 6th committee hearings are moving some people, but let's be real. It's not like, we're not talking 15% of the population. We're probably talking 3 to 4% at best, right? So I would hope yeah, they're that probably this, moving Yeah, the, they're probably moving conservatives who want Ron DeSantis instead of Trump. They're not really- convincing exactly, yeah. People, I should stop being Republican. Yeah, uh, but I would have to imagine that- Even though that the entire party that, like, was complicit in all of that. What you say? <laughs> even though the entire party was complicit in all yeah. that, and even today the entire Republican Congress is trying to, like, not, like, none of them are paying attention. Like, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, all these people are going up, the January 6th committee has nothing, and it's all flawed, did you watch it? No, I haven't watched it. It's like, well, thanks, thanks for your opinion on something you have not watched. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of silly anyway. Like, the House of Representatives okay. is literally holding primetime hearings about stuff in politics and people in that house of the congress isn't watching what their own colleagues are doing like first of right. off it can't really like maybe they're maybe they're kind of only half tuning in but like you're telling me that a republican has no fucking idea what's being done by his colleagues in the same house yeah. that he works in like that makes that no sense down to think those republicans aren't on twitter they don't watch you know uh at least some media that's not just like Fox News and OAN. Like, you know, there's gotta be people reading Politico and The Hill, you know, like publications that aren't like totally Uh, you know, that are at least a little bit moderate or at least uh, journalistic in what they, you know, do. So it's like, I kind of don't believe them at all when they say, oh, I don't know. I, you know, witnessed it. It's like all the Republicans saying they never heard any of Trump's tweets. They never read it. They never heard any of Trump's base (laughs) appeals to divide Americans and, like, scapegoat groups of people based on, like, immutable demographics and (laughs) things like that. Like, did they really never read any of Trump's tweets? (laughs) Well, they're so full of shit, right? Because, like, remember when Trump tweeted that he was basically going to nuke North Korea? And it's like, okay, so you're telling me the president of the, so you're in Congress, you're one of 535 <laughs> yeah. really important people in the functioning of the government and the president the decision making the processes. Yeah, he said he was going to nuke another country, and oh, you didn't hear about that? You don't pay attention to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it uh, makes no sense. But yeah, I I do think that should be the strategy. I think Democrats should like cut out all the other crap i mean and just start saying republicans want women to die they want women to die in childbirth they want you know the fetus to die and the women to die they want ectopic pregnancies to kill all women they should just go all in on that because like you know one thing say what you will about like fear politics at least unlike all the times republicans do fear politics like this one's like literally accurate like women already are like having to like like, like hospitals are holding off on giving them abortions and like ectopic abortions and things like that until like their fallopian tubes are like about to burst and they go like, you know, their health lines start plummeting and stuff like that. So like this is really actually affecting things. And, uh, you know, unlike Republican fear politics, where it's like the black people are moving next door into your suburbs, they're going to rob you. And like, you know, the migrant caravans that like, you know, only pop up when something, you know, bad for Republicans is occurring. And then you just kind of forget about migrant caravans for like six months at a time. Like, at least this is like actually true. And it's certainly salient. It should be really good on like the local level. Like there's a lot of women, like women are the majority of the country. Um, you know, this would be one issue you would hope would get some, like, kind of moderate, independent, or even slightly conservative-leaning voters to say, ah, I really can't have these, like, creepy, disgusting Republican women-haters get elected, you know, who will make me or my daughters, my mother, whoever, you know, die in another pregnancy, so that's fucked up. Well, here's something I always wonder, too, I, like, why don't Democrats yeah. just put something on the House and Senate floor that gives, like, something like just a standalone bill that gives like $500 million to like protect the border. Or like, let's say, let's give $2 billion, like two, you know, what is that? 20 million per state or whatever. uh, $20 million for every state's police forces to fund the police. And like, just do little things and dare the Republicans to vote against it. Right? Like, who cares? Like, if you think in the grand scheme, are we going to risk losing our democracy by re-electing Trump or some crazy Republican and giving them control of House and Senate because Republicans get to basically lie and say that Democrats are going to take away the police. Why don't they just put a comically small bill that's not going to like destroy the deficit but actually do something like that and just dare Republicans not to vote for it and then they can say well I think that would be it. bad po- eh, that that would probably be bad politics because Why? you're going to get Republicans vote against it anyway and then just say this is all they care about It's paltry. it's you know, this is just like, you know, uh, I, I think that would probably be bad politics and it would be a waste of time and kind of money because it's not actually fixing the root of any problem. Well, no, I mean, that's a problem you're not going to solve. I get what you're saying about the optics. out a full Congress willing to back you up and help you and actually come to a a real solution type of bill, right? I don't know. But I mean, if they I do guess that, what happens Republicans disagree, just- but- Republicans will just do the procedural filibuster and then what are you going to do? I don't Yeah, I don't you know. have them filibuster. Like, you just say, "Hey, they filibustered this money that was it was literally a bill just to fund the police." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like the optics could be better. I they should certainly be doing a lot more just like standalone votes for things. But on the other hand, the House is doing that right now. The House is passing all kinds of things that have no chance in the Senate, but is anyone hearing about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I hear about it. You hear all these things that like, get passed by the House, and you're like, there's no way that's going to get passed by the Senate. Why, why is Nancy Pelosi wasting her time putting that on the floor? Well, uh, I don't think it's wasting the time when the Senate's not doing anything. Yeah. you got to do something with your 24 hours in a day. Yeah. True. It's certainly not voting on things the Senate has passed in a bipartisan, professional manner. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. <clears throat> yeah. Well, any uh, closing thoughts? We're at an hour 22 here. What do you think? Any other closing? Uh, no, not for like the upcoming midterms. I think we've uh, yeah. we've nuked that pretty well. Hit some good points. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to Brain Milk Podcast. Uh, follow me, Dash McIntyre, on Medium and Twitter at Halfway Posts. and Medium. I'm uh, Dash McIntyre. Been publishing a lot of comedy lately. I always publish comedy on the Halfway Post. Give me give that a follow. You wanna uh, rep anything you're doing at the moment? Yeah, I've recently started a uh, medium myself. Uh, It's called the uh, Policy Broadside, where I talk a lot about... uh Energy, environment, um, and just generic public policies. A uh, little bit of economics, little, little this, a little that, you know. So uh, brand new, got two followers. Let's see if we can up that to three or four <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> with our, our so many yeah. listeners. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be posting more there, and uh, hopefully, trying to flesh yeah. out some of the things we talk about a little more, and just thinking about it a little more. So that's the policy yeah. broadside on Medium. And just to endorse your writing, I like the the subject matter that you write about because you kind of write uh, uh, things that people don't think about that are kind of obvious and uh, like kind of like maybe counterintuitive, but like are good ideas. You had a really good piece about uh, like the the efforts of Democrats to uh, only focus on. Um, carbon emissions reductions which is a little counterintuitive because it's not like overnight we're going to get rid of all fossil fuel technology and uh, emissions so uh, there's kind of other ways to go about doing that that are you know effective even if they're not as politically uh, salient in terms of like an overnight all at once fix well yeah and 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 i guess we could even talk about this a little more but i think it's fascinating like the fact that in the environmental movement there's a lot of people who actually think it would be wrong to basically uh, do anything that would take carbon out of the air because that would essentially give fossil fuel producers the kind of top cover to say, well, we'll just take all the carbon out of the air. We can still keep burning fossil fuels. Uh, Something I think is, I don't know if this is your impression, but I've been following energy policy for the last couple of years now. And I think to a large extent, people and especially environmentalists don't realize this, but a lot of the free market and the economy by itself is kind of helping solve Uh, some of the carbon emissions, Um, you have tons of car companies basically saying they're not going to build or um, produce uh, uh, gasoline-powered cars in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Like, every major car company is coming out with electric cars. Uh, You have wind turbines and solar panels being put up literally everywhere. So, like, you know, if we have too much carbon now in the atmosphere, obviously we have to take it out at some point. So why would we not start doing research and development now and trying to fix that problem? But, yeah, I thought that was an interesting article. It was fun to write, so anyone listening, want to check it out? <laughs> Feel yeah, free. check it out. The yeah. Policy Broadside on medium.com. All right, well, the, that's it for us today. Thanks for listening to Brain Milk, everybody. I'm Dash McIntyre, and I'm Adrian Pope. Enjoy the guitar solo.